The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in His kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Good morning, Ecclesia. We are so glad you are here. It's a joy to be together here online and at our campuses at downtown and Westside as we get to worship our Savior together. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for the precious gift of this day and this time together as a family to lift this offering 
of praise and glory to your name. So be with us as as we sing, as we enter your word, that you would continue to shape and form us as your people. God of redemption and hope, God of justice and mercy, God of love and all glory, would you open our hearts, open our ears, that we would have an encounter with you today that would shape us uh, to be your people as we set about to partner with your work, to participate in the movement of your spirit throughout this city, throughout this world, wherever you have placed us in the week ahead, Lord. We need you. We love you. Guide us. Guide this time together, we pray in gratitude and assurance and trust in your name. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Ecclesia, we are glad you're here. Let's lift our voices in worship.
gonna wake up When you gonna wake up And calm this raging sea Jesus When you gonna wake up When you gonna wake up How can you sleep when we're in need Just one touch from Just one touch from the healer And all will be made well So Jesus, when you gonna wake up When you gonna wake up And calm this raging sea As we seek to be responsible stewards of all that God has entrusted to us, the resources of our family, as we have an opportunity uh, to partner together to serve the, the needs of the vulnerable in our city and around the world, would you join me in this offertory prayer? Almighty God, you created everything in the heavens above and in the earth below. You survey all your creation and you savor its beauty and appreciate its goodness. 
To you, we lift up the best we have to offer from our time, talents, and resources. We give freely from what we have received from your hand. We give joyfully with the gratitude of a rescued people. We give generously with the excitement of children at play. We join with your mission and with your kingdom. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. We have really enjoyed seeing some of our community in person and indoors in the air conditioning these past several weeks. Our Sunday gatherings are a little shorter at around 45 minutes, and we welcome you to join us in worship through music, prayer, communion, and a message from one of our pastors. We are currently having children stay with their families, but we have created family seating areas for you to enjoy worship together, and we are also providing a craft for them to do with you. As a reminder, our mask policy has been updated. As we continue to follow guidance from the CDC, masks are optional for those in the community who are fully vaccinated. We expect and trust unvaccinated community members to continue wearing masks for the protection of the most vulnerable among us. And you won't be the only ones. Our staff will continue to wear masks at each gathering. We invite you to gather with us at either our downtown or Westside campus next Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. You can register for our Sunday gatherings at ecclesiahouston.org or on the Church Center app. It's not required, but it does help us prepare to receive you well. So if you decide to come at the last minute, please do. We would love to have you join us. In some personal news, Jerry and I are moving a mile from where we currently live, and last week our small group came to help us pack our home. It was amazing time of seeing each other in person and having everything packed in just a few hours. Several of them said, thank you for letting us help you. It's been so good to be together. Jerry and I love being part of a small group. And as our country has started opening up again, perhaps you are ready to connect with other Ecclesians. To see a list of our open small groups, just go to ecclesiahouston.org slash small groups, or you can look on the groups tab on the Church Center app. And if you have questions or may be interested in starting a group, just simply email smallgroups at ecclesiahouston.org. Another way to get to know others is through serving together. The family ministry team would love to have you join them in volunteering at our kids camp at the end of June. If you're interested, email katieoneal at ecclesiahouston.org. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, for those of you caring for aging parents, a four-week support group on Zoom has just started and it's not too late to join. For more information and to register, go to ecclesiahouston.org events. Now, speaking of caring, our dear beloved Pastor Paul Randall is starting a sabbatical tomorrow and will return at the end of August. God has uniquely gifted Paul to care for others, especially in crisis and grief. 
He has been on staff for over 13 years serving our Ecclesia community. We are thrilled that God is inviting this focused time of rest, soul care, solitude, creativity, and play, and that we are able to join God in supporting this sabbatical season for Him. Would you now join me in a breath prayer for Paul? Let's take a deep breath and on the exhale, offer a silent prayer to God for Paul and his sabbatical. Amen. Let's now turn our hearts and minds to what God has for us through Pastor Sean's message. Good morning, Ecclesia. It's great to be with you. Um, I don't know how things are happening in your home as you're entering the summer, but ours, my house, always has a very typical rhythm. As a matter of fact, there are a couple of times a year where our family just has a ton of celebrations in a really compressed time frame. And one of those is around Thanksgiving. The week before Thanksgiving is my oldest daughter's birthday. And then we have Thanksgiving, then all of the things around Advent, all of the parties. Then we have Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And that rolls right into New Year's. And Rochelle and my, our anniversary is not long after New Year's. And that rolls right into my youngest daughter's birthday. It's like this little, um, three month, four month period where we're just doing celebration after celebration after celebration. And we're in another one of those now. Uh, starting in May, we have my mom's birthday and then Mother's Day, and my birthday's in a couple of weeks, followed by Father's Day. My brother's birthday is just three days after mine. And we just go from celebration to celebration. So I've been thinking a lot recently about the way that we celebrate things. And even though COVID, kept us at home last year. Uh, last June, I had absolutely one of my best birthdays ever. Um, Chris brought over lunch for me and the family. Um, I did some work that day. It was a Monday. And then Rochelle and the girls threw me a birthday party. Now, like I said, my birthday is just three days before my older brother's birthday party. We are three years and three days apart. So when I was a little kid, I never had my own birthday party. We never really had very many birthday parties, but I didn't even have my own. They were always like these combined amalgamations of birthday parties. So what Rochelle and the girls decided to do was to give me last year a little kid's birthday party. And so I'm really into space exploration, particularly the Mercury and Apollo, the Gemini missions. I've read a ton about those. So we had a birthday party that was built around space. So there were balloons, little spacemen balloons. I had a pinata that was a rocket ship. We had a rocket ship cake. Like it was incredible. It was a great birthday. I don't know that I've ever had such a fun birthday. And that's just the way we celebrate. We're birthday people in the house that I grew up at as a kid. As a matter of fact, my mom's birthday is in May, like I mentioned before. My mom will take off a week, two weeks at a time of work to celebrate her birthday. When my older brother was uh, engaged and they were planning the wedding, they wanted, they thought they wanted a May wedding. My mom said, no, that's my birthday. 
And that's just the way we celebrate things. And so right now, I'm thinking a lot about celebrating. It's interesting because I heard a friend of mine recently talk about another celebration that I didn't know, another anniversary, a birthday of sorts that's coming up. And it is the birthday of AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. And what he told me, I'd never heard before, that at the birthday, at the anniversary of AA, they don't celebrate the last drink of the first member of AA. They celebrate the last drink of the second member of AA. And why? Because the first member, his sobriety was really pretty tenuous. They didn't know if it was going to stick. But the second member did a lot better. And as they tell the story, what they say is that because of the first member, his dedication, his work to keep the second member of AA sober, that that's what kept him sober. And so there's this interesting dynamic at play that the way we help other people, the way we help ourselves is by helping other people. That when we become invested in their health and their success, we experience greater health and success ourselves. You know, in the scriptures, there are these two parallel connected teachings. And they're teachings that we actually cannot be Christian without. The first is about generosity. And it goes back to God's first covenant with a man named Abraham in Genesis 12. And God comes to Abraham and he says, we're gonna make a covenant with you. You're going to be a great nation. You're going to be the father of a great nation. That salvation for the world is going to come through you. But even more than that, Abraham, here's what's going to happen. You are blessed to be a blessing for the world. And so from the earliest pages of scripture, people who follow God, who follow Yahweh, we are invited into this dynamic where whatever blessing we have, whatever resources we have, that we are called to be generous with it. It's a lifetime of generosity. But nothing in our culture, in our world, encourages us to be generous. In fact, almost everything does the opposite. It encourages us to be self-centered, whether, whether that is hoarding or self-affirmation. Well, this is just mine and I'm going to hold on to it but also makes us very protective. It creates a people who are hyper vigilant and hyper sensitive about holding on to everything that we have, that we fear something or somebody or some government is gonna come and take what we have. It creates a culture of overwork and overwhelm. It creates a people who are always looking for the next rung up the ladder as a matter of fact, in every survey that's ever been done that talks about income inequality, do you know what researchers find? Researchers find that the greater income inequality, the less happy it makes a nation.
not just the poor and not just the rich. Our failures at generosity actually make everyone unhappy because being generous is not natural. It's not native to us. And the scriptures know this. So there is a connected teaching that has to do with selflessness. And selflessness, not being selfish, is the antithesis to being an ungenerous, hoarding kind of person. This is the way that the Apostle Paul talks about it in Philippians 2. If you find any comfort from being in the anointed, if his love brings you some encouragement, if you experience true companionship with the Spirit, if his tenderness and mercy fill your heart, then brothers and sisters, here is the one thing that would complete my joy. Come together as one in mind and spirit and purpose and sharing the same love. Don't let selfishness and prideful agendas take over. Embrace true humility and lift your heads to extend love to others. Get beyond yourselves and protecting your own interest. Be sincere and secure your neighbor's interest first. So Paul says, if you have any joy in being in Jesus, if you've experienced God, if you have any union with the spirit, then we demonstrate that through selflessness. In fact, Paul goes even beyond that. He says, consider your neighbor's interest first. So when the Bible talks about generosity and selflessness, what's it driving us toward? Well, it's driving us toward what the founders of AA found out. That if you want to keep something, if you want to hold on to something, if you want to possess something truly, you have to give it away. That there's, there's something that you want to animate your life, for your life to be filled with a goal you're trying to reach. The way you keep it is not by trying to hoard and to grasp. It's not by selfishness and self-concern. It's by giving it away. Now, the idea that to keep something, that you have to give it away, is just counterintuitive. And it's counterintuitive because in some ways it's true that if I want to keep something, I, I just have to actually keep it. But those things are things that you can kind of hang on to. It's what an ancient theologian and philosopher, Thomas Aquinas, would call a lesser good. And he says, this is how lesser goods work. That if, if I've got a sandwich and I give you half, then I actually do have less. Or if I've got $10 and I give you five, then I actually do have less. Like if I've got a closet full of clothes and I give those away, then I actually do have less. But those are what Aquinas says are lesser goods. They are the goods that don't actually create flourishing, that don't create happiness. They're not real goods. But the second 
level of goods that Aquinas talks about, or what he calls greater goods. Those are the kinds of things that the only way to have more of them is to give them away. They increase as you give them away. And sometimes those things are tangible goods. Like during the pandemic, I got to explore more and more one of my favorite topics, one of my favorite subjects, which, which is wine. And the more wine you drink, um, the more that you try and explore, what you find is that your palate develops. There are things that you like, maybe you like tannin or acid and structure, and some people like sweet things, but, but it grows. And so what happens is that you learn more about grape varietals and parts of the world, and you learn about the countries where these grape varietals grow and the history behind them. And what you find is one day that when you open a bottle of wine, you're not just trying to have a bottle of wine, but you're experiencing a story. And then it becomes less than enjoyable if you just open it for yourself and sit in your living room and drink it. That's fine. Plenty of people do that all the time. It's not that it's not enjoyable at all, but you know what's more enjoyable? To sit with someone who also appreciates it and to talk about it and talk about history and region and the world. And it just opens up a whole other experience for you. But when you do that, there's actually less wine for you to drink if you share it with someone. Less wine, but a greater experience. And most of the time, we experience that around things that aren't tangible. Like, what do you, what do, you do? What happens when you're experiencing joy and you share your joy with someone else. Well, you get more joy. What happens when you take the love that is in your life and you extend it, you give it to other people? You get more of it. What happens in kindness when you choose in, in a violent world to be kind? You get more kindness. When you are gentle, you get more gentleness. One of my favorite writers over the last 10 years has been a Buddhist monk named Thich Nhat Hanh. And he's Vietnamese and he came to America during the Vietnam War to protest and to raise awareness and wasn't allowed back into Vietnam. And so he's lived most of his life in Paris. He's dedicated himself his entire life to being a person, a man of peace. And people who have been in his presence, friends of mine who have met him before, they say when, when Thich Nhat Hanh walks into a room, not only is he a man of peace, but you feel peace descend into the room. To keep it. You have to give it away. It's the only way to get more of it. And the connection between these two teachings, between being blessed to be a blessing and to live a life of selflessness, 
is that God is driving us to be most invested in the things that we cannot see. And put your time, your energy, your attention, not in things that have to be defended with tooth and nail for you to keep, but that can only be possessed when you give it away. And Ecclesia, this is why this is important. As we re-enter the world, as you can return to more places with more people, with less face masks, and whatever we return to, we have an opportunity to remake choices in our lives that most people, most generations only got a choice to make once. Because some of us remember when we were first starting out in our career or we had just finished school, whatever level that was for you, like we had a lot of time and energy and attention that we had to put into tangible things. We had to get a job and find a place to live. And then some of us found a partner and then we found a house where we had children and we had bills to pay. And we were always drawn. We were always forced to put our time and our attention, our energy into things that could be seen. And we are at a place in history that few people have ever been where we get to remake those decisions about who we want to be. We get to reorient our world. And maybe now we can make the decision to put our energy into the things that can only be kept if we give them away. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the virtues that expand when we give them away. But they're also the virtues that we can't see and that's what makes it tough. And listen to the way the Apostle Paul talks about it in Hebrews 11. He says, faith is the assurance of things you have hoped for, the absolute conviction that they are realities you've never seen. There are realities that we have never seen and Paul says that everything that we see comes from something that we cannot see. And that means for your life, for my life, the most important things are not the visible things, but the invisible things. When I was 29, I went to a weekend seminar and part of it was this battery of psychological test that they give you to see if you would be a good candidate for this particular thing that I was applying for. And I didn't really even know what I'd signed on for. There were all of these interviews and these written tests that we had to figure out. And then you get a report kind of at the end of the weekend that all of these psychologists and psychiatrists and medical doctors and really wise people sit and pour over. And at the end of that weekend, 
and they were reading their responses back to me, they said, we're gonna go ahead and approve you for the next round because we think you'd be really good at it. But our concern is that you find things more valuable than people. And there it was in black and white in this report that I got. It says, Sean finds things more valuable than people. I was absolutely devastated because that's not who I wanted to be. But it was a realization that I needed. That I had put too much energy into things that could be seen and not enough energy into what couldn't be seen. But I found the help that I needed just a few verses later in Hebrews 12, when Paul says, now stay focused on Jesus who designed and perfected our faith. He endured the cross and ignored the shame of that death because he focused on the joy that was set before him and now is seated beside God on the throne, a place of honor. Some of your translations say, now fix your eyes on Jesus. It is a call, Ecclesia, to see the important things, to know what's worth keeping and what's worth shedding and knowing that the only things worth keeping are the kinds of things that you can give away Thomas Aquinas also said, the things that we love tell us who we are. And that's for you and for me, for everyone that we've ever known and ever met. The things that we love tell us who we are. So for you today and this week, who can you extend joy to? Who can you extend encouragement to? Love to? Who can you invite into your peace? Because when you do that, you are following in the footsteps of Jesus, who loved so much that he refused to spend eternity without those whom he loved. So he gave his love away. Church, let me pray for you. God, show us um, how to fix our eyes on what's most important and what's valuable and worth keeping, what's worth shedding and that we give away so not only others can receive, but that we can receive even greater from you. And we ask it in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Sisters and brothers, may I invite us into another deep breath as we consider the words that God has given us through Pastor Sean. 
we now come to the table of Jesus. It is Jesus who hosts this feast in front of us. But before we partake, the scriptures encourage us to take an interior look at our souls through confession. Would you join me in this confession prayer? You have made us to be free, but we crave the cheap comforts of our chains. You have made us to serve others, but we have eyes only for ourselves. You have made us to love, but we are inflamed with lust. You provide that we may be generous, but we greedily hoard as if your well will run dry. You forgive time and again, but we hold fast to the sins of others. You offer light for our path, but we insist on making our own way. You are the God who saves. Lord, save us from ourselves. In your great mercy, restore and heal us and grant us your peace. Amen. And so Ecclesia, this table is about remembrance. This table is also about grace and redemption and the beauty of sacrifice. On the night that Jesus was betrayed and arrested, he gathered with his, his friends, his disciples, and he took bread, he gave thanks for it. He broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. When you eat it, remember me. After the meal, he took wine and he said, this wine is the blood of the new covenant that I have with you. A covenant that means forgiveness, redemption, grace. When you drink it, remember me. And so, sisters and brothers, the body of Christ broken for you. Yes, even you. And the blood of Christ shed for you. Yes, even you. Taste and see the goodness. Amen.
Ecclesia, what a joy it is to worship together. It's now the time in our service where we get to pray a blessing over our children. And so would you bring to mind the kids that are close to your heart? And today's blessing has, written, has been written by one of our own kids, Addie Booth. This is the prayer that she has for us and for all of the kids in our community. Pray with me. Dear Jesus, I pray for you to give us help, love, respect, and keep us healthy. I pray for the world to know what respect means and do it for someone and pass it on and on, and soon it will pass on to 1,000 people and it will make their day. Help us to face our fears and stick up for others. We love you with all our hearts. In the name of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, amen. Go forth, Ecclesia, to love and serve wherever God has placed you. In the name of Jesus, the Christ, the Redeemer, who said, follow me, without mentioning where he was going, but only that transformation would await as we tread in faith upon the footsteps 
lain before us. Take up your cross. Feel the weight of everything you've refused to give away. Wrong paths and false selves. Feel that same weight lifted from atop your weary shoulders by the one whose yoke is easy, whose burden is light. The journey has brought you to this place, this time. Continue to listen, family, to trust. May God guide you today and always. You are loved. Dwell in peace. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.